I got a weird call last week on Friday telling me I might have to travel for work, so. Wait, wait, wait. In what world? <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> right? Like, A, am I actually working? B, that it would require travel? What? Yeah. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 310 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by Seth Miller and Foss Moon. Gentlemen, how are you? Good evening. I am stellar. <laughs> so as, as the num- episode numbers increase, are we just going to pull Microsoft pull Microsoft and drop the first number? Oh, just like reset at a certain point? Yeah, like next, next one could be episode 12. <laughs> well, we probably want to do 11 first at some point, but putting that aside. I was going to say, should we just do Microsoft and call it episode 2020? Whatever we want, yeah. Or should we pull they, an they Apple? Started naming, they started naming it for years. Or Apple, we, I don't... We just pick we landmarks? Pick, no, NP, new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was episode 53, for what it's worth. <laughs> 54? That's when we transitioned from uh, points hoarders to dots, lines, and destinations? I think so, yeah. 50, 53, 54, yeah. Sounds about right. Useless information taking up space in my brain. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so we have some follow-up from last week. Uh, someone informed us on Twitter that a hockey team has 26 players. So uh, a 737 is not crazy for the San Jose Sharks to uh, fly around. Our 12 was well off. Well, well, well off. We didn't even consider backup goalies with that number. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, we, I mean, do you count? Do you really count the, the, you know, the stand, the hot dog stand guy that gets called in? Can you count him as a player? I really love the emergency goalie rule the NHL has. I, I mean, it is pretty awesome. <laughs> Right, like there's goalie, there's the backup goalie, and then like just in case in each city there's some guy who can in a pinch just show up and play goalie and occasionally stop some of the pucks. It's really amazing. <laughs> there's Bill. <laughs> that's but that's literally what it is. It's like some guy who plays rec league still and is you know the best of the group or is available to be on call. And every now and then you read the story like where one comes in and actually has a good game and like gets the win. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, he, like, he what, looks- what other sport? What other professional sport are you gonna have like? Random guy rec league can actually come in and be a real, like a competitive performer. Could, could you imagine that with like pro football? Like, oh, we just called this guy in for, uh, to be the, the quarterback and he just gets yeah. wrecked. There, <laughs> now I can't remember. There's something that went the other way and I can't remember the guy. There's a, I want to say a former catcher, um, for uh, in Major League Baseball, that's retired and like lives in Central Jersey and has been putting together rec league games in Jersey <laughs> for like him and his friends, and like, but he plays in them also. He like played shortstop or something, and like was getting out there and jacking home runs off the pitchers. It's <laughs> funny. Oh man, um, Air Canada. Yes. 10x points plus a 15% discount for buying tickets now with a Crow branded credit card. Uh, I'm guessing this is being pushed a lot on the blogs. Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of it. It's Bartolo Colon, for the record, uh, mm. is actually running like a rec league and he's got some, there's some crazy videos uh, on 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 uh, Twitter of him jacking home runs. It's, it's hysterical. Uh so I haven't seen a ton, ton of it. I also don't read too many other blogs lately because I find them depressing and my anyway. Um, but the uh, the gist of it is, you know, like 10x points, fine, um, based on, you know, super earnings, which is something a lot of airlines have tried to come up with ways to get increased earnings for 
uh, additional flights, right? We've talked about this for months now. Where I think this one's super interesting is the co-brand that they're including, uh, is that it's because it's specifically with the co-brand that you get the bonus points. Um, and that, uh, really sort of changes the way the partnership works. Among other things, presumably that means the banks are chipping in, uh, a little bit of the money, but also when you start thinking about like what it means for, uh, an airline in general to have, uh, you know, just the better, uh, the tighter relationships and the better promotions and truly, you know, sort of grabbing at the loyalty, you kind of want that to happen. You want to have that partnership in there. Yeah. So I don't know. It's an interesting, it's interesting to me. I, I like, I like getting other partners involved. I think that if the airline has to work on its own, it sucks. And if they can get anyone to participate and help, from the loyalty perspective, it's, you know, better value, um, better chance of it working. I mean, do you think there's a, this is worth it for people? I mean, this is really trying to get people to travel and what was a story later that we're going to talk about, but is it, is this really a good idea from the travel perspective? Uh, I mean, that's a loaded question, right? It is right. I, part of me, right. You can also buy a month of unlimited flights in air in Canada right now. Yeah. By the time this episode goes live, it may be over. So I think I, that's why I didn't put it in the, sh- the notes for definitely talk about. It. I can't remember when that deal expires, but right from like thirteen or two thousand, I think is the cheapest Canadian dollars was the cheapest price for the month long, and up to fifty six hundred if you want to buy the fare that's basically books into Y. Um, so you have last seat availability and potential upgrades. But like, it's uh. I don't know, domestic within Canada, I'd feel a little better about because for the most part, they've done a better job containing mm-hmm. things. Yeah. But more broadly, like, should you be traveling a ton internationally and in transcontinental or intercontinental right now? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. All bad. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to take the next topic and uh, let you guys run with it. Uh, Volocopter, because I have nothing to say about this. Volocopter is now selling reservations for a test flight three years from now. I just think it's like Indiegogo for, you know, (laughs) aviation. Are you sure it's not like Kickstarter, which is like past, you know, jumped the shark already? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's Kickstarter. Yes. Like, so... I, I'm disappointed, Stephen. I thought you were going to be more snarky about this one. <laughs> well, I have to. I have a crying baby in the next room that I got to go get. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, so my my take on this is it is a little bit of that, but they're only selling a thousand tickets for thirty euros each. So there's not enough real money there for this to be worth it to them uh, to like fund anything. Uh, at the same time, it's you're buying a reservation to be able to buy a ticket three years from now. Uh, they don't know where it's going to fly. They don't know when it won't be before December, 2022. And there's probably a 12 month window after that, where it will likely happen. They will give you 16 weeks advance notice of the where. And then from then you have to go buy your ticket to get there and actually convert your 30 euro reservation into a 330 euro or 300 euro. I forget which actual ticket. So not only is this like not a great way to raise money because there's not enough of it out there, but it's like, it's arguably like a way to get some people to pay you for advertising because obviously we're talking about it and there's got it. It made it on the ver onto verge and to 
random other websites and got like got the company a whole lot of media. But at the same time, like it seems pretty stupid to me. Do you think they're going to actually sell a lot of these? Like, I, it just doesn't strike me as something that's going to happen. <laughs> so we're recording this Monday night. It opened up, I want to say Thursday or Friday of last week. Um, and they're still available for sale. Yeah. So that, that, I guess that answers the question. <laughs> <laughs> and to our listeners, I'm sorry. I am holding a, a little toddler here. And so you may hear giggles in the background every now and then. I thought that um, was you. <laughs> he's, he's laughing at me uh, talking to myself. Oh, so he knows you. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. That hurts. Yeah, this helicopter thing. I don't, the other part of it that's like strange to me is, you, like, would you really buy a ticket not knowing where in the world you have? somewhere in Europe or, or Asia is all they've yeah. been able to say, and they'll have yep. a couple cities, and it's guaranteed to be at least a city of five hundred thousand people, and you will fly over the city. But like, <laughs> it's it's a, just the whole structure of the deal is super weird to me when you start reading the fine print. It's like a lottery ticket, <laughs> except. That you, that if Probably you win, you have odds. to pay a lot more for. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Air India lost money on ninety three percent of their routes. Shocking. <laughs> that's what, that's is what for, is three, from April twenty nineteen to March twenty twenty before anyone decides to play. Oh gosh, well of course because of you know whatever. I mean that's a year um, from last year they've lost that. Yeah. So wow. those what two percent more than normal. I think this is just the normal, right? That's the point. Um, that it's, yeah, it's bad. Uh, that, you know, in defending it, the director of, uh, whatever, the minister of transportation or something like that, uh, tried to explain that it's okay that, you know, some of the routes individually lose money, but are needed to feed the bigger routes that make money, which doesn't seem to make sense. 93%. What route is making money? Uh, nine domestic and ten international <laughs> city pairs. And how much money are they making? Like two points? Or not, like certainly not enough to offset the others. Well, clearly, not even coming close to offsetting the others. So yeah, not good. Well, why did they, so much- did they name the ten the ten international ones? They did not. I was going to say, I bet it's like London, maybe I- a Chinese route. Oh. I don't. I bet you it's places no one else flies. I say I would be surprised if it's London. I, know, I mean, yes, high demand, but also huge volume, like huge capacity from everybody, mm. including the one stops with premium cabs that are super cheap. I would, yeah. I would think that you like Foz said, it's smaller markets where there's lower competition. Yeah, random I mean, point to point stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I imagine like the Tel Aviv route probably made money because it was faster than the El Alpha flight. Um, but I would I would bet it's they're probably not much into Europe, quite honestly. Hmm. Interesting. And you know, handful of domestic routes in like the weird ways that domestic Indian flying works. Who knows? Um, I mean, do you, I mean, the government is guaranteeing to take care of Air India, right? Is that kind of the way I'm reading it, or are they saying we're not going to do that long term? They've been trying to sell it for years now yeah but no one wants to touch it so right and they keep saying well this time you know we really mean it with the deadline um part of the problem is you know air india tried to blame it on low-cost carriers or just you know can can afford to run lower fares and that's why we keep losing money because we have to compete on fares um 
and which is the sort of you know roundabout way of saying we pay our, we we have way too, our expenses are way too high, mm-hmm. um, and we pay our people too much and whatever, and it's definitely not good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, will will they survive forever? I would say that probably Alitalia lasts longer, but <laughs> <laughs> South African also, I don't know. I mean, they could they could make some money by selling some seven forty sevens to uh, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Think so? <laughs> yeah, I mean he he blew up a um, uh, seven forty seven for the movie Tenet, uh, and it was cheaper than using CGI. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bargain basement prices on 747s, I guess, guys. <laughs> on the one hand, it's sad, right? <laughs> but like, let's just, let's try to assume that he bought one that was in need of a D check. Uh, so it was going to be pretty expensive otherwise to get it back into service. And that's why it was so cheap. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This wasn't, not that there's any of them that are particularly young. Um, right now, but certain than seven four fours. I imagine most of them are getting scrapped at this point because there's no market for them. Yeah, I mean, over the weekend there was that rumor that uh, Royce was going to buy a bunch of them, uh, and that fell apart. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fast. I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, I mean, probably won't, but. Uh, it's in, it's just interesting to me that it's even cheaper. I mean, CGI is expensive, uh, and what's funny to me is that planes CGI still cost millions of dollars. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and like planning to blow one up and actually like loading it with explosives and stuff and doing that in a safe and controlled way also is not cheap. Exactly. Yeah. I just yeah. Um, remember when they used to blow up like small models of airplanes? You know, like for, for, for like uh, Independence Day when the 747 was like coming out of the flames, like they used to actually blow like models up of stuff. What was uh, the, what was the movie, uh, True Lies? Oh yeah. Jamie yeah. Curtis and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? And yep. Tom Arnold and they blew up, like they built extra uh, floors on a building and blew it up in Miami. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, for I mean. That, for that end scene? It would it would be pretty sweet to be part of a movie you know production crew. That, that, like, that gets uh, hey that. guys, we need to actually just build a couple extra stories on the skyscraper so we can blow it up in a few months. Uh, don't be late. You're like, yes, I'm game. Uh, <laughs> um, Seth, you put this in the show. I'll let you talk about it. Uh, BA and and uh, Virgin Atlantic bulking up for Pakistan routes. What's what's the I did deal not here? do that. I didn't no? actually. Oh, Foz. Oh. Come on. What's the story? Foz? He's going native. I don't. Huh? I, well, yeah, I don't. I, I'm curious as to what's going on, though. Be both BA and Virgin on very short notice with it. I think they're both starting October, if not sooner, are adding two to three routes to uh, Pakistan. It might have something to do with the fact that Pakistan International Airlines can't fly to Europe anymore. But that's a lot more lift than they ever had before. Sure. Um, I think that they're betting on the fact that uh, PIA isn't coming back as part of it. And then also, I think it was one of the countries that just had pent-up demand and probably was loosening some of the travel restrictions. But I think a lot of those people used to come through the Middle East anyways, though, because of the product. Yeah, but the Middle East uh, carriers have been suspending those flights. Because despite there being no... Restrictions. There have been a bunch of imported cases from Pakistan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fascinating, right? In, on a broader scale, like it, 
the airlines have historically been such monolithic beasts, yet somehow they've become very nimble with route planning. Right, you look at some of the stuff like JetBlue is doing, or United's been doing, or even Alaska, and they're turning on a dime from a route network perspective, which is unprecedented. Yeah, but it's fascinating. Like the, the you know, in the international, in domestically, yeah, it's easy, but in the uh, international space, how do you get all your ground stuff squared away that quickly? Yeah, you you lease. I mean, you just call someone up and be like, "Hey, uh, there's a plane landing next month. It'll be a triple seven. You cool with that?" <laughs> you call it Swiss I port. Lo- <laughs> a little bit yeah, of- basically. I love that Lahorta uh Heathrow is only one letter off in the airport. <laughs> I never yeah. even thought you realized that. L H R to L H E. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That's where my brain went, but you know. <laughs> um, is it, it, I, it, I, I got a question for you about that. Let's just yeah. going on a tangent here. Do you guys ever look at license plates? And look at the airport codes that are in them. <laughs> yes. Okay. So New Hampshire uh, has one of the highest popu- like densities of custom license plates because uh, they're very cheap to get a vanity plate here. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's, it's just driving around on an everyday basis is a game of like, why did they pick that? Um, <laughs> and the, I don't know if you guys remember this. Like in the 80s, there was a TV show about license plates, like a morning TV con- like game show. No. I didn't know. You, it was it was partners or like couples, whatever, and they'd show something on the screen. It was two teams of two, and one person would buzz when they knew the answer, and their partner had to guess it. <laughs> so, like, you had to know if your partner could figure it out also based on the clue and on the letters on the screen. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember watching it as a kid. Anyway, there was one that's uh, was that I saw the other day uh, driving around, which was just MAA. <laughs> and I and it, the people driving the car gave, made me believe that they probably were from India. That's funny. MAA being the uh, airport code for Chennai, Madras, the old name, right? So is it is it, is it no longer the name MAA? Uh, MAA is the airport code still. Uh, it's a question of is the air is the city called Chennai or Madras? I'm not sure. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Like some have changed and changed back, and I don't know, but yeah. Anyway, that was that was a fun, like that one. I was like, "What?" The? And then I like as they got close enough that I could see the people inside. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got that one." <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of license plates and airport codes. All right. Yeah. Um, BAF seats are getting uh, doors on their new seven seven Ws. Well, the whole like club suites, uh, business class with doors was a better hard product in theory because of the door. So <laughs> that's a little awkward, right? Yeah. Well, and, and it's on, I, so just kind of on the topic of first class and business, I saw that Emirates is dropping, there's a number of routes are dropping their F product to the US on. Well, they're I dropping mean, their 380s. Yeah. And some of their the, some of their routes that they're going to pick up with triple sevens, they're only doing with the two hundred LRs, not the three hundreds. Yeah, which partly for no first class, but partly because that's the fewest total seats. Yeah, well, and what's what's funny though is that the business class on those is probably better than the first class on the ERs on the old ERs, I guess. Yeah, but anyway, back to BAF. So I guess this is. Uh, Big news for for BA customers if they care about doors. I mean, it's sh- it's nice. It should be better. <laughs> you don't seem convinced. 
I'm less convinced that the door is like the difference and whether I'm having a good flight or not, like, especially, I don't know, just like the half height doors where like, does it stop someone walking by from looking in? Not really because they don't go high enough for that. And I'm like, when I'm a, I guess the, the only, the main thing it would do is prevent me while I'm seated from catching movement out of the corner of my eye. But again, I'll still see them higher up. So, I don't know. So, Faz, what do you think? I mean, doors are nice. I just think that people make too big of a deal about some of these things. Yeah. Like, it's going to be the best best thing ever. Well, I mean, it does come at a cost, right? The door does take up space. When you have a yeah. fine amount of real estate, and that's what people, like, you know, people got all excited about the Delta seats with the door. I'm like, that's great, but you're going to take an inch or two away from the seat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's your 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 you have to pay that cost somehow, right? That space cost. Um, so uh, let's talk about that next, Seth. Since you are editing the document yeah. in real time, uh, you can since just we're talking about first class and ships to product. Uh, yeah, Lufty is finally confirmed today, which was like I think said earlier Monday uh, this week that it really is going to park the rest of its A380s and 346s. Wow. Um, in long-term storage. So this was looking back at my notes of where I've been tracking of this, the 10, three, four, sixes I had already marked as parked long-term uh, back in April, which I guess was just a, an assumption, but that has proven true. Um, and the three eighties, they'd already parked six of them officially. And now it's eight more. And the comment is, you know, something to the effect of unless there's an unexpectedly rapid return of service, or of demand, this ain't happening, right? Like the, uh, I think Lufthansa originally in July and August was hoping that the trends would hold and they'd be back to about 50% of traffic by mm-hmm. end of the year. And now they're saying 20 to 30%. What do you, what do you think? Like, I mean, are they, do you think long-term storage really means retirement? Yes. Well, didn't they also indicate that the Austrian fleet's probably going to get retired as well? Not the whole fleet. Well, the, the wide bodies, the long haul. It sounded like the Austrians the, got like I thought Austrian had some new seven seven Ws. No, no, they Swiss only have seven, yeah. Austrian has seven seven two ERs and seven six threes, and I think they're all just around twenty years or longer. I or, thought the seven six threes were definitely on were on their way out. I mean, sorry, the the plan is one hundred and fifty planes now retiring, which is up from a hundred by the middle of the decade. Like it's twenty two thousand job cuts that they'd already planned isn't enough. Um, and oh, by the way, they're still losing. There's a group. They're still losing four hundred. They're still losing five hundred million euros a month, and aiming just to get that to four hundred million by the end of the year. <laughs> Things are Life not goals. going well. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, just the idea that the group is planning twenty-five to thirty, twenty to thirty percent capacity for the end of the year is just brutal. Yep. I mean, and it's 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 strange to see lifty planes on flight radar and stuff kind of going all over the place, um, but they're out, you know, going out half empty for the most part. So, if that, if that, yeah. So, um, and then United seven eighty sevens are all getting Polaris. I actually saw this the other day. I was looking. Uh, Houston Sao Paulo uh, is a seven eighty seven dash nine, and. It was it was Polaris config. 
Yeah. No. They, <laughs> I mean, the the answer is like they. The, so it's not all the planes were originally scheduled to get the conversion, and now the rest, you know, a bunch of them are. Which to me also says that the company plans on pushing more seven six threes out more quickly mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. it has the chance. Um, but. Uh, you know, the, the, the comment of like, this is what our business travelers expect. We need to have the consistent product and we need to have, and this is what the fleet of the future is, the seven, seven or seven, eight, seven and seven, seven, seven. So then you're done. You really think they're going to push the seven, six threes out? Yes. Okay. I think they've got seven, eight, eights that are vaguely similar capacity. Um, and longer term are going to be cheaper to operate. Um, from a fuel perspective, we'll see. Um, or just that, like, over, like, they're getting old. Well, they are getting old, but they've put a lot of money into them, right? I could see them delaying their 321 XLR order and using them on PS. Uh, PS is the 737 MAX 10, not the oh, 321 XLR. Yeah, yeah. But I can see that you got to replace. The, you, I mean, you, you need the XLR to replace the seven fifty seven, and the seven six threes are almost as old. Like the the seven six threes are maybe a stopgap, and but also like with the high J, like you can't use the high J config necessarily. Okay, well, dude, we can use the high J. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying yes. Appropriate IJ. response. Yes, he wants IJ. to sit in business class. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna open that can of worms on us right now. <laughs> I think that I think that he would be very well behaved in this class. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Not like this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. I'm gonna go on mute. I'm gonna let you guys talk. Yeah, so, but I mean, Foz, think about. It. I, there's only so many planes that they can still fly, and part of this is that there's no demand, so you make cuts. Right? Like the 757s were, have been ready to be retired and they were stretching them out and stretching them out and stretching them out, hoping for something transatlantic. But maybe you use the 763 as a stopgap there. But like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like there's going to be over the next four or five years a huge downturn. I mean, again, we have to see what the numbers are, but a huge downturn in new aircraft investment necessarily. So, I mean, that's, but that's the thing, right? Rather than financing new planes, I could. That's why I think that we might actually see these planes reused, because it's going to be cheaper to pull these planes out of storage and use them than actually have to pay. Is that just for incremental demand or for general demand, though? Right? Like, yeah, they'll come out of. You can get a plane out of storage very quickly, which is good if there's a sudden change in what the demand pace or demand curve looks like. But despite the fact that it's, you know, always cheaper to operate some, you know, the older plane that you already own, at least from a uh, leasing costs perspective and financing perspective, um, fuel costs matter. The airlines, whether they really want to commit to it or not, are paying attention to fuel burn more now. And just overall, like, we say that every time, but also these sorts of mega events generally result in fleet turnovers. And so when you start looking at what all the airlines are saying to like every single one of them is saying, we're getting rid of the old fleet. Um, I mean, the exception is arguably Lufthansa that is keeping the 747s in in, in, in favor of the A380 being retired, but the A380 is 25% more seats. Other than that, who's keeping older planes instead of saying we're accelerating our transition right now into the recovery 
Uh, I'm just, I mean, they just sent the bird a 300 into be retrofitted with Polaris this week. So I'm inclined to think that they're thinking they're not going to get rid of them that quickly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm. What is that quickly? Five years? I mean, five years is a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. I don't know. I, I keep. Do you think that they keep the the ones that are Polaris and they get rid of the ones that they don't convert? Because there are some that they haven't converted. Correct, but like, I think John NYC posted they just sent one to Wilmington today. A seven six or a seven six three. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. I guess I'd be a little surprised if they. Um, it's a C check, not a conversion necessarily, by the way, is what he m- m- mentioned. Um, I, the ones that already have Polaris, I could see keeping it um, for the 763s and keeping them in business. I, I don't think that you're going to necessarily retire them all immediately. At the same time, I certainly don't think uh, they're going to completely – I don't think that, I don't think the 763 fleet as it existed in January uh, fully flies again ever. No, I, I agree with that, but I, I don't think. First, I think most of them have already been converted, from what I from what I remember. I, I think most of the fleet will come back, unless something you know. If if the trend stays, I think most of them will come back. No, they might not, but I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Delta's opening a tech center in uh, India, so that's going to piss a whole bunch of people off. Just like United was starting to hire out there. Yeah, so there are seven seven six threes which have not been converted. Yeah, I I certainly would expect that those conversions will take a backseat to the seven eight sevens that were announced, or not announced, but were indicated today. Yeah, that I mean, I could just see those seven exiting, but I think the ones with Polaris, I think we'll see come back. I, I just, I guess. They can come back. Will they all? It depends on how demand comes. And I think that the triple sevens and the seven eight sevens will lead rather than follow those, is what I'm saying. I think we have a higher risk of seeing more exits of the seven sevens, particularly the two hundreds, the older United ones, than we do seven sixes, but we'll see. Yeah, I guess the question is how the older United ones are mostly the H the H D configs, right? I mean they have a bunch that are not HD, which are actually polar. Even some of them have converted to flares. Yeah. Well, it depends on how many seats they need. Doing all the Chicago. How much, that's cargo, how much of it's cargo also. Well, Chicago's getting all seven eights, right? That was their commitment. Yep. Because people were tired of flying on the old 772s. <laughs> yeah, because they, they have 74 772s, right? 22 came from Co. So that's 52 that are still Legacy United. It's a lot of planes. Yeah, and 38.763s. So if you say, well, most of them come back, will 27.63s come back? Probably. Fine, well, you win. I don't think they... No. <laughs> I think we've beaten this one to a dead pulp. Yeah. I was going to say, do you guys want to talk about uh, Super Elite, Seth? Yeah, you got Air Canada status? No. <laughs> it's worth a free snack now. 
Uh, yeah, uh, yeah well, this is sort of like actually similar to what the United and oh, the U.S. carriers have done for benefits. If you're uh, an Air Canada Super Elite, which is their top tier 100K, uh, you get a free snack and drink in fear stuck in coach as meal service re- returns to the flights. The bad news is uh, they're limited only to the shelf-stable snacks and not the good meals. And the free alcoholic drink, I think, is only up to like six ninety five, which makes it sound. Which I haven't looked at the menu, but I'm assuming there's some specialty drinks that are more expensive. Like, why even be that stingy at that point? If you're giving them one drink, what's an extra couple of bucks for the few people that take it? Yeah. Well, a couple bucks times a few people becomes a couple few bucks. Right, but these are allegedly your most important flyers, right? Yeah. No, I get, I, I get where you're coming from. It's uh, yeah. There's a lot of numbers there, but there's a lot of math that goes into those numbers in the calculations, but I don't know. And if you have a co-brand credit card, do you get like an extra credit for your drink so you can get the more expensive drink? That would have been smart. <laughs> Fit it all together. It's a pack. It's like a, it's a bundle. <laughs> it's pretty soon you won't be able to tell the difference between a blogger and a flight attendant. <laughs> <laughs> If you get this credit card today, uh, anyway, use use my use my flight attendant code to sign up. Um, exactly. <laughs> I might earn a commission on this. <laughs> That's how they have to start all of their safety briefings. I would lose it. Um, so let's talk about the coronavirus a little bit. The CDC has stated that they have sixteen hundred cases. Uh, of people who have flown um, and tested positive for uh, COVID-19. Um, and they believe that there have been about 11,000 people exposed on airplanes who have flown with these 1,600 uh, positive cases. Um, thoughts on this? Uh, things I'm missing? Um, I mean, we've we've talked about before that like planes are relatively – uh, hard places for the virus to spread because of how the way the air is filtered and, um, you know, but you're still really close to people. So, um, just interesting. But over what period of time? Right? What do you mean? Like this 11,000 people, one month, six months, right? That makes uh, a big difference. Yeah. I don't know if it's in here. Let's see. Um, only a few weeks for, for for around 500 of the cases. So, yeah, I guess I mean there was another uh, study published, you know, and it, published by the CDC is a weird term in some ways, but like you know, did the CDC say it or is it just saying that this you know re- this study that was submitted seems to be valid? Because um, some of the some of the stuff is that, and some is you know the com- the uh, department actually saying things. But the uh, there was that other study of like. In March, they tracked a spread of something, you know, of coronavirus on a plane, and they said, you know, it went between business and economy, and like so, just you know, the the idea that because of that, the airflow wasn't necessarily enough, and that's arguably true, right? We we know now to wear masks, also, but at the same time, like apparently, of the people that supposedly got it while on the plane, the uh, like a bunch of them were all traveling as a group at, together. So like, mm. did it happen on the plane or did it happen before or after? We don't know. Like mm-hmm. it's, there's a whole lot of, uh, there's a whole lot of unknowns in these, uh, studies I'd say about the airplane stuff, which is not 
by any stretch for me, a way of me saying absolutely go fly. It's hundred percent safe. I'm not entirely convinced, but, uh, you know, I think that's, I mean, that's a good point. I think that, you know, they're, they're not, we're not doing controlled studies of, you know, airplanes and airflow on airplanes heavy, heavy right now. Like, it's not like there's, I, I doubt that's like the, the top of the list of priorities for researchers, uh, is how does airflow affect COVID? I think most of them are focused on finding a cure or finding a vaccine, finding, you know, a way to, to prevent the virus. So, um, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's, it's an, we're in an un, uh, certain time where this stuff is kind of being, they're trying to take the data that they have and come to some kind of conclusion about it. Um, so yeah, Fozzie, it sounded like you were going to say something. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Or if I was, I don't remember what I was going to say. Oh, no worries. Um, so yeah, it's just an interesting, I thought it was an interesting write up by the Washington post. Um, yeah, we'll post the link in the show notes. Uh, Foz. I want to talk to you. You actually flew. I did. Uh, first time on a plane since March? Six and a half months. Wow. How'd it go? It was okay. Uh, you know what, though? I don't miss it. <laughs> the, which part? The dealing with people or? Well, you know, it's the first time in... 15 years that I can say that I walked into the United C1 lounge and found a seat without any problems. <laughs> um, but, I mean, overall, maybe security was blazingly fast. It took all of two minutes. Um, it, I, I mean, it, but overall, it's I kind of don't miss the travel aspect of it anymore. You know, it's kind of, you know, I was commenting to one of my friends, it's like, you know, after in essence, detoxing for six months, you come off the hamster wheel, and then like, when you go back on the hamster, you're like, why am I here? Yeah. So, I, you, I you sort of lost, you, you lost the sort of habit, and so now you're like, what, do I really want to start that all up again? Well, th- that, and I look at my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> and look at the shift in funds and go, well. Ooh. See, I found hobby, I found a hobby that's almost as expensive and still requires me to wear a mask, so I'm, I'm <laughs> idiot here. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, so, which also just tells you how little I spent flying, but but it, I mean it's it was fine. I, I it was you know kind of surreal. It's amazing to see everything so empty except the flights. You know somehow the flights are full, but the airports aren't. Um, Do you think weird. people are delaying like their arrival to the airport until as long like as as late as they can, so they don't have to spend any time inside. No, I mean, it, I mean, like at Newark, right? You've got six monitors. Only one and a half had had anything at five five p.m. Mm. Right? That that's unheard of. Uh, one of the displays by the security checkpoints, United just ripped out and put a just used the monitors to put up a nice United logo. <laughs> they took out a whole security checkpoint. No, no, no. The displays for the oh, flight. oh, just the the okay, the fins, yeah. whatever. Uh, OTG is trying to hold on, but a lot of their stuff was closed. Um, wow. How, how was it wearing a mask uh, the entire flight? Because you did a transcon, right? You did Newark, San Diego. It freaking sucked. Pardon me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it sucked. And what I realized is, you know, because I don't normally have to do this, I occasionally have to wear reading glasses. And wearing a mask with reading glasses is not realistic. <laughs> That strap doesn't work well with uh, reading glasses. They huh? fog up. They fog up. 
But uh, it's not just reading glasses. It's anyway. I mean, just, I, just, I get it with like my sunglasses on if I go outside. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, but I mean, it, United is okay. They actually uh, on the PS flight or coast or whatever they're calling it these days. There is actually a hot meal. It all shows up on one tray, all pre-wrapped. Two options, which was decent. Um, on uh, the non-coast flights, it's just you get a snack box. Snack box. Gotcha. And so you didn't end up taking uh, mint on this one, huh? No, mint wasn't flying from San Diego yet, and from LA, it was really expensive. Ah, uh, gotcha. That's the thing that I don't. This is the one thing you know from airfare standpoints I don't understand is they're not selling the premium cabins within a week, but they're charging like they're full. It's the isn't isn't that like a an economics theory? You know, uh, scarcity. Even if it's false scarcity, even if it's not scarce, make it look like it's scarce. I, I, I guess, but you know, <laughs> a, t- a time of desperation is that the time to play psychological games? Touche, <laughs> touche. Uh, the one thing I will say, uh, very disappointed about United, is they broke their app. How so? So it used to be, if you had a flight, you pull up the app, you could check in, you get the flight card. Now it won't even show you anything in flights because they've changed something with the authentication mechanism. So now you have to go pull up my account. So it first loads the reservations, then you can check in. But then if the session times out, like in the middle of your flight, you can't get to the second boarding pass. The boarding pass isn't in the app anymore. The card doesn't update. That's definitely broken. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, just minor. You get a- have something to do with all the like flight change stuff they built into it. No, no. I don't think it has to do with that. This just has to do with, I think they opted to make a decision to try to hide. The one thing you could always do was pull up a reservation without authentic, re-authenticating. And I think someone in their infinite wisdom said, oh, we shouldn't do that, but didn't think about all the ramifications it would have. I mean, maybe like tied to the story that came out from Australia, the guy who, where former Prime Minister Tony Abbott posted his PNR and someone pulled up his details and had his passport number. Yeah, but you could do that without authenticating, though. Like, you could do that today if you have someone's last name in there. I think what Foz is saying is, like, if you think about – I mean, maybe United was scared by that. But I think really oh, so that, what – There's no way they changed anything that quickly, for the record. Yeah. I mean. but, well, and you're, this is still your personal device. You're already logged in, right? Yeah, I don't think they – I don't think what they took into account was the fact that if you're on your iPhone, you have to use Face ID or Touch ID or your passcode to get in to the phone – and then you're signed into the app. I mean, I don't want to sign in every time I need to do something with a boarding pass. No. So, like, the whole and point the, is it's... Well, and if there's an extra authentication step that needs a connection, that's yeah, even worse. Exactly. Like, just because I'm on the plane doesn't mean I bought the Wi-Fi, or even the free Wi-Fi that's supposedly for the United app. It's still pain. Yeah, exactly. Um... Oh, and you posted the Roberto Cologne tweet. I got you the day. I got you your video. I just I did that for I have it for the show notes. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll post that for our listeners. I think that's a show, though, guys. What do you guys think? Sounds good. Anything else you want to talk about? No, nah, it covers a lot. All right. Uh, to our listeners, you can find us on Twitter at dots lines more dots more lines dot com. You can support us on Patreon. You get a little bit of extra content at the end of the show. I do have some other things I want to talk about now that you mention it. Oh, right now. Well, no, for our Patreon supporters. Oh, okay. All right. Just a teaser there, huh? Um, 
yeah, but find us on Twitter at dots lines, more dots, more lines.com. Thanks uh, for listening. Bye-bye. Take care. See you soon.